Hello and welcome to the Wealth Podcast. A podcast about women we like to follow. My name is Tess. I'm a co-host. My name is Amy. I'm your other co-host. And today, a very special episode. The first time in the Wilf Pantheon, the Wilftheon, if you will, we have invited a guest. You could say this guest invited himself. That's true. <laughs> um, he has had successful appearances on Oprah's Super Soul Mondays, the surprise <laughs> sleeper hit. Um, he's a devoted listener, came all the way from Portland, Oregon to be with us during this episode. Uh, he is a dear friend of mine. He's an excellent uh, person. Uh, he has many gifts and talents. Including making the very uh, graphic for this podcast. That's right, he did. Yes, uh, already a contributor. He's been a longtime listener, first-time guest. He loves podcasts, and this is his first podcast episode, so I really hope he doesn't forget how to speak English. (laughs) Uh, And please welcome into your ears, Asa! Thank you for having me. So happy to have you. Asa, um, I gave a little, you know, emotional introduction for you there. Mm. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Wow. I feel like I'm back in college in my, like, orientation class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need a fun fact, three truths, four lies, and... <laughs> $16. Your mother's maiden name. Solberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, my name is Asa. I am born and raised in Chico, California. I was born and raised in Chico, California. I now live in Portland, Oregon, where I work for a local grocery company. I direct the produce and floral department. Your official title is? Nice vegetable guy. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Uh, Shoplifter gave me that name, and I will hold on to it dearly. (laughs) I charged them a lot for not very much stolen. (laughs) Anyway, um... Yeah, I'm here on the East Coast, my inaugural trip, and enjoying it, and we're day six of 14. Something like that. We started in Maine, we're halfway through here now. This is Tess and Asa also, Amy, me, me, Amy. I've been (laughs) sitting in Philadelphia, just actually loving it, actually having a great time not moving. Loving that I'm not here, you get to... I was on the move for a while, and you know what? It's nice to... Slow down, let the world come to you. That, I mean, I feel that now. We've been on the road for six days now, have hit a major thunderstorm every single day while driving. In every state. In every state. And it's very nice to be at home in Philadelphia right now. Asa, since this is your first visit to our East yes. Coast, what are your thoughts? Wow. First of all, beautiful. Great. Love to see the Atlantic Ocean for the first time. Um, humidity is not my friend, mm-hmm. and I can't wait to get out of it, <laughs> but I'm embracing it while I can, like a bad roommate. Um, also, you did choose, I will say, it's not all 100% of the time like this. It is mid-July. Yeah, the most humid. Yes, in my mind, I was thinking about West Coast summers, which are perfect, mm. might I say, and didn't even consider that rain might be a part of my trip, and thus humidity. I would say rain has been our third co-pilot. Sure, that's fair to say. If only they would drive. Yeah. <laughs> um, as opposed to halt us from driving. Yeah. But yes, overall, beautiful trip. We've had really great connections and people who have helped us along the way, um, providing housing or guidance or recommendations, mm-hmm. including you both. Mm-hmm. You're do- our oasis halfway through this trip. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much. I do. I feel balmy. 
Um, the I, this is I didn't tell you we I would ask you this so get ready for a curveball. Oh, hot seat. Uh, um, but I feel like so many parts of the country have stereotypes of what the people are like. You know, like right. kindly non-confrontational Midwesterners, direct to the point nor- Northeasterners, uh, hospitable. Uh, complicated Southerners. <laughs> uh, West Coast, I'm less. Fam- I'm more. I more know like a California stereotype than like a general West Coast stereotype. Right. Do you feel there is one, and do you feel that you have an impression of? Oh, this is what people on the East Coast are like. Yeah. Yes to the latter question. Um, in New York, something I learned very quickly and really embraced, I would say, was bluntness. Mm. Um, both in conversation, but also when crossing a street or being in a crowded area. Mm. You just go if you have confidence. Everyone is the alpha. Yeah. Um, For example, we went to a famous bagel shop. Remind me of the name. Barney Greengrass. Heard of it, anyone out there? (laughs) And the waiter hardly acknowledged us. His first said was, you got to get the potato pancakes. They're really good. And I I knew he was just trying to push them. I saw him do it to another table. Yeah. I said, no, thank you. I had some yesterday. Which Which was was, a lie. No, which was true. I had had them (gasps) the night before. I thought you lied to his (laughs) face. (laughs) Wasn't really looking at us, which is something I also noticed. Um, But yeah, I listened to Tess order what she wanted. And instead of letting him know that I was a foreigner in this place, I said, same thing, everything bagel. I'll take the onion though. And a coffee. Right. And it, it was... felt very good. Yeah, you <laughs> you seemed very confident when you were doing it. I think Yeah, and I didn't look at him either. I imagine that those uh, women who were next to us, like, you know, one foot from our table, I feel like they watched us and were like, Oh damn, they do this all the time. They're regularly <laughs> I do dropping hope so. they're regularly dropping fifty bucks on two bagels, which we did. <laughs> and we don't regret it. No regrets. Um but I'm gonna just squeeze in here. I think yeah. that's a sign that the waiter wasn't buying what you were selling. Well, in fact, he good. was selling what he more was... of what he was selling. <laughs> Upselling, you could say even. Yeah. Um, but to answer your first question, West Coast. Well, so I grew up in Northern California, which I don't think really has a stereotypical personality. It's known for being hippie and outdoorsy. There's definitely an outdoorsy element. Um, Greta on... Gerwig. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> Depending on where there? you are. Sacramento. Oh. Sacramento sucks, and everyone kind of knows it. <laughs> wow. That's not a stereotype. Except for Greta Gerwig. <laughs> well, did you watch Lady Bird? <laughs> I didn't. I gotta be honest, I'm making jokes about things I don't know about, which is a theme. Um, Northern California, everyone, yeah, they are in close proximity to any type of outdoor activity that California has to offer, which is all of them. <laughs> um, Sacramento really is the best spot to get to all of these things, but Sacramento is an unfortunate place to be. So, you know, it's the capital, whatever. Good do you, for them. Do you feel your West Coastness is uh, put in stark contrast to our East Coast? Like, can you feel yourself being different from the environs while here? Mm. No, but I do think people notice. For example, I was called out for, I think I was wearing almost entirely Patagonia things. <laughs> which feels very West Coast of me. It's a Patagonia-based brand, or excuse me, a West Coast-based brand. (laughs) Uh, That's a nice slip. But maybe if I wore my Birkenstocks throughout the city, but those seem to be spreading. Mm -hmm. Um, Growing up, like, that's a a hippie thing for sure. But now they're fashion, couture. I've had the same pair of Birkenstocks since seventh grade. They're at the front door. Good for you. Thank you. Amy, here's a linguistic question that 
Asa and I encountered, if if you were waiting blank line to get into a store. In. Thank you. See, yeah. I say on. Because you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> I have encountered you Northeasterners with your online, and I think this isn't the internet. You don't mount it. You take your place within oh. it. I think the line is on the ground. And but it literally is not. I will look this up on Google Scholar later. <laughs> and it will tell you it's a regional <laughs> is a speech variation. Well, speaking of linguistic things, Hella is very much a Northern California thing from my experience. They don't say that in Southern California. They do say it in Seattle, though. They seem to skip over Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm hella tired. Hella tired. It can be do thrown in. <laughs> it can be thrown in anywhere. Um, usually it is It's like clear. Would that be, it, as in Boston, it would be wicked? Yeah. Yeah. And here nice. we say Phillies. <laughs> I'm Phillies. That's <laughs> nonsense. It basically okay. replaces very. Right. Yeah. I will, I, we don't need to get too far into this, but I will turn the question around to you, Tess. Did you feel your northeasternness, one, when you lived in California, mm. and two, when you lived in the South? It was pointed out to me when I was in California, where Asa and I met, that I was wearing black pants and a dark shirt once at camp. And somebody was like, wow, you're looking real East Coast right now. I was like, (laughs) oh, 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 I love a people. How fun. I belong somewhere else. Um, (laughs) I think, yeah, I talk very quickly. I talk faster than most of the people there, I feel like. Yeah, the further west you get, as in Hawaii, it goes yeah. a little bit slower. Yeah, this is why it's impossible for me to have a good conversation with Barack Obama, because he just talks so slow. <laughs> That's the one thing keeping us apart from yeah. our, our wit. Um, when I was in North Carolina, no, I didn't feel too different there. Just, you know, cultural references, you know, references, places, food, and stuff like that. But it felt pretty uh, welcoming. So I did say something, it might have been yesterday, I said down south. And I had completely forgotten I was no longer on the West Coast. And to say down south here is a completely different setting. Yeah, if if you're thinking Charleston, Myrtle Beach, Atlanta, that's a very different thing than Los Angeles. Yeah, and really no matter where you are on the West Coast, it seems to be clear that down south is Los Angeles. Mm. Even if you're in Washington, I've had people in conversation say down south and refer to California. Mm-hmm. So I'll turn it back to you mm. as a southerner up here in the uh, the coastal elite. Mm-hmm. What, what are your, how do you feel? Uh, do you feel different? First of all, I'm part of the coastal elite. <laughs> I don't know why you think North Carolina isn't part of the coastal elite. Because you're like several hours from the coast. False. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, you, no, that's not true. But the state is, is on, the, also on, yes. on the coast, and I'm from Excuse a, me, it's in the coast. I'm from the... <laughs> I am not from the Research Triangle Park. I'm, I don't know why I'm trying to out-snob you, <laughs> but I am adamant that I, I find out the coast only. Sure. And up here in this... I do not appreciate the scoffing. <laughs> um, I, up here, no, I do feel different. I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not like constantly and obtrusively but part of it i think is that a lot of my exposure has been you and your family mm-hmm. who are we're very, jewish you can say it. <laughs> i was going to say have lived in new york and philadelphia for, for like many generations and so you're like city people that's true mm-hmm. um you're not just like i i would say i feel less of a difference to someone who's from like Scranton, mm-hmm. that's sure. not so different from the Green, Greensboro. Right. But 
growing up in New York City, in Philadelphia, that's a different... I feel like it's more of a big city thing, though I also think I notice the directness, the bluntness, and I'm quite... I'm, I do everything at a leisurely pace. <laughs> Um, well, speaking of different geographies, one wolf, since we last spoke, has moved from Florida to L.A. Uh-huh. We, we wish the Doyle, Wombeck, Melton clan a happy and healthy transition into the L.A. area down south. Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, uh, may their neighbors not be the people who surrounded them in their cul-de-sac in Florida. That's who right. sounded quite... Uh... Bigoted, perhaps. I'm. In, I. I'm. Sh- I. If their life ever gets made into a TV show, I would love to see the montage of them like being happy in LA, and they're like mm-hmm. out and about, and there's no humidity anymore, and so their hair stays straight. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I, I don't really understand what sunshine. Three hundred and sixty days a year. <laughs> yeah. Um. And speaking of Glennon and Abby, Glennon. Uh, has... Wait, we have more questions to ask Asa. Oh my God, you're right. Great transitions, like... though. I must respect. Yeah, you were really getting into it, but we <laughs> we we. I fumbled it. Back to the cause. We Go just uh, just talked about places a lot, but we didn't talk about Asa's relationship to the Wilts. Right. Ah, uh, yes. The very reason you're here today, Asa. We're curious. Who do you consider a Wilf in your life? Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for asking. Mm. I wrote down four names, wow. five names. Wow. One of them is a subcategory. Feminist. Thank you. <laughs> um, and the one I think I'm going to focus on during this episode of Wilf is Samin Nosrat. Mm. Mm. Tell us more about your, your Wilf here. Yes. Well, a little bit hesitant to choose her because she is not necessarily Oprah adjacent, which I do respect and honor the history of the Wilf podcast, which is Wilf's adjacent to Oprah, mm-hmm. the mighty Alpha Wilf, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ooh. If you will. Alpha Wilf. That could alpha, be a shirt. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> Three Wilf shirt. You know what I mean? With the moon. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> and then it's just a wolf body with Oprah's head. <sighs> wow. The first merch. Anyway, um, Samin is an incredible woman. She is best known for being a chef in Berkeley at Chez Panisse, which is a restaurant owned by another name I wrote down, Alice Waters. Um, it's, it's an important restaurant in West Coast culture, food culture, and also in, uh, the idea of farm to table restaurants supporting local agriculture. There was a whole lecture about it in my American food and culture class in undergrad. Yeah. Yeah. Alice Waters is a, a name in my life being involved in the food industry for, um, I would say 12 years now, um, has been thrown around in many contexts. The camp that Tess and I met at, the woman who was the kitchen director, who in my mind is the ultimate wolf. Ultimate wolf, yeah. Yeah, Barbara, shout out. Uh, <laughs> she she often quoted Alice Waters, and um, I now love a quote that I, I believe was an Alice Waters quote, which is, how you eat can change the world. Mm. And I often bring that into uh, work environments that I exist in now. And so, back to Samin, what, oh, yes. what do you love about Samin? Why do you like to F her? Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> Woo, I'm feeling sweaty from that. Um, also because we had to turn the AC off because it's loud. Yes, a combination of things. Um, I like to F Samin because um, she, if, if you know her, if you've ever seen anything she's interviewed on or read from her, watched her Netflix show, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, which is named after her cookbook of the same name, 
Um, she is absolute joy in human format. Um, she is kind and intrigued by everything around her. She wants to learn. She does teach at the same time. She wants to be involved. She's very tactile with food. She is clearly a lovey-dovey person, which I appreciate. I imagine she gives an incredible hug. Mm. All of these things are, um, you know, assumptions based on <laughs> a lot of following her. Um, but overall, I think she uses her platform and uses her in with the, what was until recently, I would say, the elite food world and industry to um, lift up voices and organizations and chefs and many other things that maybe are run by marginalized individuals or people who belong to marginalized groups and focus on things that are uh, really important, like fair payment for industry workers, mm -hmm. food industry workers specifically. Um, there's many things I could say beyond that. Do you have but... a favorite Samin recipe? Oh, um, she's well known for her focaccia, which I do love. It's very salty, which mm. I also love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, while I haven't made it, the time and preparation and love she put into her New York Times lasagna, Ooh. which I think happened maybe in the last three now months. That's a little lasagna. I'd like Can to I write that down? Nose rat. <laughs> Yeah, she, she <laughs> developed that during the pandemic, and, you know, she jokes about how she made a family-sized lasagna for herself <laughs> in Berkeley in her one-person home for probably 10 or 12 different rounds of that recipe. Wow, that's a lot um, But she also feeds her community, and, you know, her neighbors probably know to come by when they smell oh, something. Oh, wow. Oh, it's so great to be her neighbor. Sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, I picture her, you know, in that classic, like, 50s housewife thing. But it's like modern empowered woman, but yeah. putting the, the hot pie in the window and you know, someone coming by and smelling Netflix it. walks by. It's of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her friend Risha Cash. Yeah. So you love Samin. Uh huh. You love Alice Waters. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Alice. Um, uh, yes. Uh, amazing women. Mm hmm. Uh, uh, you are also a listener to our podcast because you are dear friends with Tess from you all worked at mm -hmm. a summer camp mm -hmm. in California together. So you are aware of our our pantheon of wilfs, wilfs, wilfs. Um Were you aware of these women that we talk about before this podcast? Some of them, yes. Oprah, of course. <laughs> we actually don't talk much about Oprah, but she is, you know. Always with us. She is the salt of our focaccia. <laughs> or That's she is the beautiful. focaccia of our salt. Hmm. Mm. Maybe some of both. Mm. Oil. Anyway, go. She Maybe loves she's bread. The olive oil. She mm. is the oil that lubricates the conversation, perhaps. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, Oprah, as a kid, I was a bit of a latchkey kid. I would go home after school and watch over. It came on at 3 o'clock in my local area. Mm. Chico, shout out. <laughs> and um, even at the time, if I didn't understand the context of the episode, which by that time it was... She kind of let go of the Jerry Springer aspect of her show, and it was much more like, I don't know, the Tom Cruise episode, Iconic, <laughs> iconically. Did you um, watch it live? Probably. I've tried yeah. to find it on the internet. It doesn't exist. Well, that's They've because taken it off. Tom Cruise has an immense amount of wealth. wealth. Just mm. really insidious power. That's a good point. Problematic Tom. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, watching watching Oprah, I'm sure there, you know, there were better episodes than the Tom Cruise episode, but... 
mm-hmm. can't deny that was iconic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have, if, before you listen to this, if someone were to say, eat, pray, love, mm. uh, sort of women influencers, Instagram, did you have a feeling about that part of culture? Um, no more than any other author or TV personality or what have you. Um, I think specifically Elizabeth Gilbert was a name I knew because my mom read her books. Mm -hmm. Um, But my mom is more, she doesn't necessarily talk about celebrities in the way that we all do, Mm. um, whether they're authors or not. And it was simply a name of a book she enjoyed, mm-hmm. and she kind of left it at that. She doesn't go on about things like I like to and like we like to. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these other names came into my zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Am I using that correctly? Sure. Um, later in life, um, through other women that I knew, who mm-hmm. specifically Glennon Doyle was a name that a friend of mine from college. Really oh, so you loves. know her before we talked about her on the podcast? I would say all of the women that you talk about, the Wilfs, I had heard of or was aware of through my own connection to Wilfs without the title necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned about them and actually was educated on the subject through this podcast. Oh, yes. oh thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank we, you. Are, we are uh, authorities who know mm. a lot. Um, also, did I tell you that I talked to my mom about this podcast and what it is, and she was like amazed at all of the people that we liked who happened to be Wilfs. She did not realize it was a designation we had oh, made up. Because it does feel like something <laughs> that already existed before. You know, when I've explained it to people, they're like, uh-huh, yep, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but she thought it was like a, it was a status, like a... Or it was a, yeah. Uh, she's like, existing. oh my gosh, they're they're a wolf too, and I'm like, yeah, because we just said it. Yeah, we, <laughs> we just decide. We decide who wolf it, wolves are. Um, mm-hmm. um, who were the other two names on on your list? Oh yes. Um, so I wrote Joanna Gaines with a question mark because I I don't know a lot about her, but I do appreciate her. She comes across, and I I do believe is very intelligent. She's very well spoken. She cares about things that I think the Wills care about. Um, But she, being in a Christian circle and also already having this interesting, very seen fame Mm -hmm. with a family of young children, Mm -hmm. I think she's a bit more backed off. Backed off? She's a little bit more reserved, is what I mean to say. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, at the same time, she has... A magazine and mm-hmm. a Target brand and a TV show and mm-hmm. a book and a book and a book. Yeah. So hard to say if that really lands, but she she is yeah she's not uh, outspoken maybe right. in the same she, way. She also is a bit more. She's quite materialistic more yeah. so than the than the author Wilfs are, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, she's a brand. Yeah. Um, I I think she's fascinating. Her profession, I would say, requires that. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. I, I I think she. I don't know much about her personal. I haven't read. I have bought a magazine and then used it to collage with. Um, I have bought Magnolia items from Target, uh, but I have never, like, and I have obviously uh, watched um, them tear down shiplapping. Shiplap hour. Fixer Upper. Fixer Upper, thank you. And this is it. Y'all ready to see your Fixer Upper? Yes. In Waco. We almost In went Waco. to Waco. Yes. I still um, regret not going, but it was I, raining that day. That's true. I. Uh, I've watched a lot of Fixer Upper. I have partaken in the things that she sells. Mm-hmm. And I like 
a lot of the things that she puts out into the world, but I have not actually read any of her thoughts mm. or consumed any of her like feelings about the world other than pretty, pretty things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I think the same exists for me. I, I don't have a strong enough awareness of her to have confidently said she's my right. elf of yeah, choice. Yeah, I, I think she has that vibe, but because most of my um, interaction with her is like literally retail, mm-hmm. um, I think that <laughs> <laughs> my feeling is like... I, is is suspect is yeah. like I think a lot of this is image yeah more than it is substance but also there's a literal substance of candles um <laughs> and I and I want them and, and our, I want our, everything to be just our spoon rest is from magnolia oh it is it's yeah. a spoon on it it's very nice it does so that you know what it's for yeah I had been putting my forks there for so long you know and then I saw the spoon and I was like oh yeah it's for spoons um and who is the fourth name on your list my fourth name which does have a category below it, is Monica Padman. Uh She is a podcast host. She is best known as being the co-host of Dak Shepard's Armchair Expert and his Fact Checker. And then she also co-hosts a show with um, their mutual friend called um, Monica and... Monica and somebody loves boys. Yeah. Monica and Jess. I was going to say (laughs) Jesse. Thank you. Monica mm-hmm. and Jess love boys where they explore dating in LA and um, she is nervous to date. She doesn't have a huge experience with that and doesn't necessarily know how to approach those things. So they speak to professionals in all sorts of realms that are adjacent to dating. Um, and then she also has a new one with her dear friend and Dax's wife, Kristen Bell, called Shattered Glass. And mm. they, for their second episode interviewed Oprah and I gathered that they were just interviewed by Oprah as well they Mm -hmm. sort of alluded to that um but I actually listened to that while we were in New York Mm. um and I really enjoyed it Monica the reason I wrote her down is she she's aware I would say of all these wilfs and is adjacent to them because she is an outspoken proud woman who will stand up for herself and has I've really enjoyed listening to her on Armchair Expert slowly but surely gain more confidence in speaking up and correcting Dax or speaking during the interview because she is very much a part of that show, even though in the the title is Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard, her name isn't mentioned, she is the show as much as he is in my opinion. And there's been some comments on their page about Monica not participating or not being Um, someone who progresses the conversation and she will very artfully respond like I am creating the conversation Mm -hmm. you might not hear me because I'm also editing this show Mm -hmm. but I book our interviews and I plan these things and when we went on tour I was a huge part of that and the show would not exist without her and Dax has referred to that several times Mm -hmm. Um, so I really appreciate I appreciate her a lot nice yeah Yeah. have you listened to this before? Yes, I I have listened to I I sort of dip in and out of Armchair Expert when he's talking to someone that I uh, that I like. Uh, I don't know if you have this experience with. You've Dex. referred to it on this show, I believe. Oh, mm-hmm. you so helpful to yes. have a listener. <laughs> Much better than our memory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, that I find I I often find those conversations interesting, but I often find. Dak Shepard very frustrating. Yeah. But then I also think he is someone who has shown a, a pretty um, admirable 
willingness and ability to grow and change his mind right. and, and be affected by the people he talks to. Um, so I don't think he's like stupid or bad, but I don't, I have to be in the right mood yeah. to want to hear him vocalize things that I find frustrating and then work through with usually with Monica doing the emotional labor yeah. <laughs> like, especially if it's what's a guess wrong I don't with know. what he's saying if yeah I don't know who they're interviewing necessarily mm-hmm. I don't want to listen to Dax talk to someone I don't know but and... speaking of Wilfs they interviewed Brene yes and that was a great conversation was that a live episode I believe I think they were live uh, in Austin one of the few would have been Armchair experts that I listened to is when he talked to Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh yeah, I listened in her old kitchen. I remember them talking about how much they love hearing the stories of alcoholics. Mm. Um, it was a good episode. I uh, would suggest the episode with um, Gwyneth Paltrow, who oh. is a complicated figure and, and not a wolf. Mm-hmm. Well, mm? let's not close that door too quickly. <laughs> I think I think Gwyneth Paltrow personally has a bad rep. She is a complicated person, as we all are, and <laughs> unfortunately has been in the public eye from the moment she was born. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine how challenging that is, and has continued to be in the public eye, and has said some silly things. Wow, a paltrow apologist. A goop yeah, apologist. Yeah, an open paltrow apologist. Doesn't happen often. But I, there is something to this, how she is easily, so often, the butt of jokes. Yeah. I think, sure, yes. Um, but... My feeling about Gwyneth Paltrow is that she uh, has the wild confidence of <laughs> an incredibly wealthy, privileged, beautiful, blonde, skinny white woman who True. never didn't have access to anything. Yeah, and um, she'll and lean so, into that, which I do appreciate. And she'll joke about it. And because of that, she will often recommend things to the world mm-hmm. that I think one are very inaccessible things. Um, and two, uh, are, are pseudoscience. Right. <laughs> and, and, uh, I, I think it's, it's that, that wobbly line of celebrity where it's like how much influence you have, like, should you actually mm. be telling women to put jade eggs into their vaginas? I will, I will, I will march no. on. I will march onto the hill and plant my flag and say no, <laughs> no jade eggs. No to the jade egg. Although we have a mutual friend who enjoys a jade egg. Is wow, I didn't know that. Oh, the gossip. The enjoys. Tea. Enjoys it. I can't we'll claim. Later. I simply can't claim to know what a jade egg really is for. We'll move on. No one <laughs> could. Yeah, neither could Gwyneth. <laughs> um, so, uh, the, f- the final thing uh, that we will ask you about this is, has listening, uh, just to toot our own horns and have, have you just fan our, our egos, has listening to this podcast changed how you think about any of these people or anything in general? Yes. Um, as I mentioned, my mom, who is my OG Wilf, probably. <laughs> um, Beautiful. Thank you. She she was aware of some of these women when I was growing up. So only maybe a couple that you've spoken about on this show were in the in the public eye. Um, but like I mentioned, she she doesn't necessarily go into detail about them or really in our 
life. She doesn't necessarily talk about popular culture or the celebrities of it all. Um, and so hearing you guys speak about these women and the, the way they've influenced you or the way they've influenced the community at large has been educational and um, has also encouraged me to think about people that I like or follow, like Samin, and beyond what I see on their Instagram or beyond what I see on their you know, book cover or the review of their book, actually learning about their background or where they stand politically or where they stand with this or that right or topic of conversation in media. Um, and I think that can be a blanket statement in general, but specifically women in the public eye who, like Gwyneth, are mm-hmm. maybe seen a certain way and that's kind of the, the stamp that they have forever. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe exploring that more on my own. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, we accomplished our mission. We did it. <laughs> Changing the world. Let me just give you back this script. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And back to my previous segue. Yeah, get right into it. I know that you've been waiting. Glenn and, and Abby and the kids and, and Craig, they all moved west to L.A. Um, before they moved, she put out has put out her new podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. Um, which is Glennon and has mostly involved her sister, whose name is Sister. Sister, Really? No. <laughs> her name is Amanda. Uh, but she but calls, she her, calls sister. her sister. They call each other sister. And then hey, Abby. Hey, brother. <laughs> hey, sister. And Abby has been on a number of episodes as well. Abby, I think Abby also frequently calls Amanda's sister. Yeah. I think. A choice. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and they've released a couple episodes, and we have listened to a number of them, not all. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, it was very exciting to realize that Glennon, that we were going to get to partake in her musings in another way, and finally hear more from Sister, who is, <laughs> she talks about so often. Yeah, as and a, she seems like a wonderful person. A big... Uh, Big leader in um, in the in that business they got <laughs> together rising, um, and we've listened to a number of episodes. Each one has a topic and some questions and usually some uh, hard advice or, or some kind of. Well, it's it's thing. the podcast is called We Can Do Hard Things, and each episode they pick a hard thing and talk about how did they do it. Yep. So some of the topics are fun boundaries. boundaries addiction fighting styles that was an interesting one as in like when they're verbally fighting Mm -hmm. right Um, taekwondo right uh self-care fighting well overwhelm addiction fun infidelity boundaries anxiety so queer freedom Mm -hmm. um yeah i think uh i've enjoyed the episodes that i've listened to the one that i found most fascinating was the episode on fun uh, because I so deeply did not relate to it. Right. The premise <laughs> of it is that Glennon does not understand what fun is, and Abby made her career on a playing games, playing the game of soccer and having fun. And sister seems somewhere in the middle, but more on the Glennon side of more things. More on the spreadsheet side of things. <laughs> yeah, more on the uh, doing my laundry with music on is fun. Right. <laughs> Just, it's, it's and not. You, you did not identify with this. Tell me more. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting, and I thought it was illuminating, and they had some good thoughts about, like, why, how how often uh, for women, fun might be depicted as just, like, wine night with the girls, and it's just 
more talking and more like emotional labor with mm-hmm. friends and or drinking um, that there's and that that can like really undercut that's so different from how men go out together to play golf or um, like just very literally play games mm-hmm. um, in groups so uh, I thought I thought that was really interesting and there's definitely like a, a nugget of truth about what how women are socialized and what, um, how we unwind and what we feel is available to us and an acceptable use of our time. Mm-hmm. But I'm very fun and I find fun very important and appealing. There is, this is kind of dark, but one time when I was quite depressed, I had to make a whole list of all the other things you could feel de- besides depression and fun because those were the only two I could remember. <laughs> Is that really bleak? <laughs> but I was just like, if I'm not, the moments when I'm not feeling depressed, I'm actively having fun. And so it's either I'm depressed or I'm having fun. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wait. Well, you were deep in that black and white thinking, of course. Right. And and I, I wasn't too deep because I was able to make a long list about, mm-hmm. you know, like pleasure and calm and... and Relief. Relief <laughs> and mild sadness and uh, exhaustion and, you know. Wow, you could have an episode on each one of those in the We Can Do Hard Things world. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but so fun fun is a big... And I also do a lot purely for fun. Mm-hmm. What, uh, Aso, how do you fun? How do I fun? Mm-hmm. What's your relationship to fun? That is complicated. I don't know anymore. I think... Um, so much of my life changed when I moved to Portland because I went for a job and I was living with some family friends who were quite far away from the main city of Portland in the area I was working. So I was in one of those two places. I didn't really have a third place, as you may be familiar (laughs) with that term, a place to have fun. Um, and my passion, which is in food is a means to an end, which is survival. Um, so, so to have fun in that way is happening all the time because I love doing it. Um, but I don't necessarily have like a third fun, if you will. Um, if you will. I don't, as of late, because then after a period of time, I was in Portland, had two places, was eating to survive, and then COVID hit. And since then have only really existed in my own apartment now and in my job um fun has been knocked off the board it's an um, important thing i was just telling you today about how since i'm not doing improv i feel like i have lost some fun things and i'm realizing that that's what that served in my life it's nice to have mm-hmm. a scheduled two hours of fun every weekend doing improv practice and i don't have that now yeah I, if it's a good team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could list all of the things I do for fun. Improv being a huge one. Romance novels, television, handcrafts. Uh, oh, if television's fun, I'm having fun every day, baby. <laughs> I, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think television's fun. Uh, games on my phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, crossword puzzles. Some uh, of these are more active and silly fun than others. But there's a lot of things. They were sort of categorizing fun as, like, unproductive time. Mm-hmm. Where the thing of the time is to enjoy it. It is not to have... There's no means to the end. It's just... It, right. it is It is its own end. Um, and 
And I did recognize that like a lot of women don't have time for that. And I have expressed to you multiple times since I've moved to Philadelphia, um, uh, the, a homesickness for boys mm-hmm. and not in a boy crazy romance way, which is this whole other thing that I experience frequently. But a, a feeling of like, I've always been around, I had an older brother and my dad, and then I went and got made all of these like guy friends in my group in high school and then got into improv and this just exploded with boys in my life and i love the women that i met in all of those places hugely important to me i have no problem keeping in touch with them calling up for a long phone call having a a facetime where we both go out on our porch with a glass of wine and (laughs) get into it i know what's up with the women Men are harder to keep in touch with long distance, mm-hmm. frequently, and, uh, no offense, oh, I found well, that I, to be true. I don't think I count in that kind of way. <laughs> but also, but what I miss is something that you can't get over the phone, which is the feeling of, I'm going to go over to this house full of boys and we're going to watch two Avengers movies and... uh get like stuffed crust pizza and like thing and and that's and and just like sort of chitter chatter talk about absolutely nothing of of consequence (laughs) the entire time it's very hard to talk to women and not get to something of consequence pretty fast yeah and now that i'm a therapist it's especially (laughs) i i realize that i'm having this memory of this time in college i was invited over to this house of like eight boys that i i knew a couple of and they were watching um South Park, and I sat there. I was so confused. I was like, so you all just sit here watching this show, maybe uh-huh. repeating the jokes back, but, like, you're not talking to each other? I was so surprised. And you're saying, yeah, you really like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't... It's not what I want all the time. Mm-hmm. But there's something... There's some sort of, like, oh, this is... The point here is just to be here. Well, I would say Camaraderie. that... Camaraderie. Yeah. So yours and my texting relationship is, is bit heavy. It is bit central, and I love it. <laughs> And it's always great when I see your name on my phone because I'm like, it's going to be funny. There's going to be funny things happening here. So that's good for me. It's good for me, too, because I think I'm hilarious. You are! And there's only one person in my life who can keep up, and unfortunately, you're all the way over here in Philadelphia. Yes! Yes. (laughs) Suck at all you other texters. (laughs) The other person person who might fall in that category, as I've mentioned this trip already, is Nako, and she's in New York, which is the same time. Well, what does that say about this East Coast? It's waiting for Don't you. get ahead of yourself. <laughs> uh, the other episode that I uh, I remember <laughs> and like is the one about boundaries, which was one of the early ones where Glennon explains why she does not text back to people. That she often has many unread messages, unread emails. And this baffles me because I respond so frequently to things that I've literally injured myself. <laughs> I've had a year's worth of arm injuries partially because of my of my phone use. And uh, it's something I enjoy doing. Like, I like responding to texts. It does not feel overwhelming. If I can't respond right away, I'm t- trying to get back to it pretty quickly. Um, it is a primary way that I communicate, but... And I don't quite understand people who don't. And they're like, whatever, I just like don't see my phone. I put it, I'm like, what, what world are you living in that you're not? And I also acknowledge that I'm, I am probably addicted to my phone because uh, one of the definitions of, ex- of addiction is continuing to do something despite negative consequences. And that's what I've been doing with my phone. Anyway, the point is, you all are too. And <laughs> oh, 
Wow. Yeah. You are having an Uh-oh. intervention with yourself, <laughs> but laughing out at us about it. <laughs> anyway, the point is that she says... Uh, she feels like it is, uh, you know, I'm not quoting her correctly, but that uh, when she receives a text, it feels like somebody invading her space and her time. Like, how dare they expect her to respond so quickly? She's doing something else um, and she will get to it when she gets to it. But also she may not because it is not how she is living her life. It is a secondary thing. Whereas, you know, we're f- almost 15 years younger than her. It is a primary part of our life is using our phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, though, that the very reality of the text is that it's not priority. If right. you're going to choose to text someone, you should be able to accept the fact that they can respond in their own time. Is this? Are you just saying this to me now as a person mm, that you text with? Maybe, <laughs> but also, you know, you call me and I pick up if I'm available. There's been a few times where you call me and I immediately silence it because I can't that's take fine. the call. Yeah, I figure you're at work or something. And yeah, exactly. And that's a healthy re- relationship right. to the phone. Yeah, and I mean, a call that, I know is is a, is ambitious. Yeah. Well, this is what you're saying is this is calls are immediate. If you're available, you respond. You're responding in real time. Mm-hmm. And texts are miniature letters. That's They're true. Tiny posts. They're little telegrams. It sounds like she doesn't respond ever. And it seems like oh. she has a problem with <laughs> socializing in general yeah, and feeling true. beholden to other people. That's true. Uh, but I will say, as someone who, it, I don't. I'm pretty responsive on text, mm-hmm. but I can let email sit for um, ever. Yep. So perhaps um, in the way that she has a problem with communicating this way, I also do, which is that I do it too much. I think, a little compulsively. I'll say or, I w- or I would say it's that you have understood anyone contacting you as a that the only thing to do is to respond. Right. I yes. But uh, but people can contact you at literally any point in your life, like mm-hmm. at any time in the day, when you're on the toilet, mm-hmm. when you're at work. Uh, when you're sleeping, mm-hmm. they can contact you. They have so much more access to you that's than true. they did at other times. And I think that's maybe what point she does have is like, you don't have to be available to people all the time. That's true. You just have to be available to people when you have said you would be. That's or, true. Which I would say you are when you pick up the phone. Right. Yeah. That's true. Um but it was good for me to hear the other side of it, so I understand a little bit more about other kinds of texting. Um, also, in the last... Uh, oh, so there's been, I don't know, 12 or 15 episodes or something that she's put out. Maybe not that many. I have not listened to all of them. And have you? No. I listened to the first handful. I skipped, I think, Addiction because I felt it would be quite heavy in a time when I didn't want to get into it. And then I realized that that's the premise of the podcast, Mm -hmm. that each episode they pick up a hard thing Mm -hmm. to talk about how they do that hard thing. And it's like what I just said about how when speaking with women, it's very hard to stay superficial sometimes. Mm -hmm. And and that's a a gross overgeneralization. But... uh, I have found it hard to regularly check into their podcast, even though every time I have, it's been really interesting because I don't always want to think about how to tackle the hard parts mm-hmm. of life. Um, I don't always want to get into it in that way. Yeah, it's interesting that she started Mama Stary, her blog, as a way to talk about the things no one was talking about. I think that's the origin of a lot of 
podcasts, a lot of blogs. Um, she was writing about addiction. She was writing about her, her difficulties with motherhood, all these things. And now there's so many places where we can get that. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't listen to Brene anymore, I realize, is because it was a lot of hard stuff. And uh, there's, I mean, I suppose if people don't listen to many podcasts and this is the one they list, the one that they listen to, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, wow. Or if you're in an isolated place and, or, you know, don't have a lot of female friend or friends around to talk about deep things with, this could be a really nice outlet. But uh, we could probably find 10 other podcasts in a heartbeat about addiction or about boundaries or about anxiety. Armchair expert. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) And they might all have beautiful insights, but I think there is a certain amount of like talking about and listening to people talk about um, these things where it's sort of like, I don't know, I just got to live. I can't, I can't always mull over. Yeah. It makes sense that she has a hard time having fun because her (laughs) life is about talking and doing hard things. Um, Do you find, Asa, that you have uh, preferences for what kind of podcast you listen to or content you take in? depending on your mood and stuff like that? Well, what you were just saying reminded me of my relationship with Brene Brown, which was started in college. Um, her work, and both on an academic level and also in a like life coaching sort mm-hmm. of way, um, came up a lot in my university. It was a Christian university, so a lot of like you know honest conversations and emotional depth and what have you. Um, <laughs> And I, I really loved her because she could do all those things without saying what a lot of the Christian, more Christian-focused speakers or authors would say, which would, which is always going back to, like, this is God's plan for you, which I didn't really identify with. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that Brene Brown is a theologian in that way, but you understand. Yeah. Um, but... What was your original question? Uh, <laughs> what, uh, how... Oh, podcasts I enjoy. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, are, are there times you're looking to. for certain content? You know, like, do you find that you're drawn to hard hard topics or whatever? Or some... Right. Um, typically, I'm listening to something comedy-based. Mm-hmm. Um, but I follow or listen to several that are a little heavier, including the ones I mentioned before. Um, Armchair Expert and Monica and Jess Love Boys and Chattered Glass are all in the same universe. I do listen to more than those, but... Um, I mean, ours, which is very, like, heavy and thoughtful and intellectual and, like, deep and dark. I know that you, like, come to Wilf for, like, the grit and the, like, tough shit. Yeah, if I'm ready to cry, I, I, I save my Wilf episodes for those cry days. Um, no, I don't know. It, it does fluctuate. I listen to podcasts or... NPR shows or music at a constant rate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm often working alone and can listen to what I want to listen to, um, to the point where during the pandemic, when I was even more able to spend time listening to these things, I ran out of episodes of shows that I started also during the pandemic <laughs> that had 200 plus episodes, mm-hmm. one of which was Las Culturistas. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm going on a walk on my day off around my neighborhood and you know I know it's going to be a few miles... I'll queue up something that's a little funny to get me going, something that's a little bit more um, in-depth or heavy, middle of the road, almost like my cool-down mm-hmm. episode. And then at the end, when I'm getting ready to go home, I might listen to something that's pop culture-based or about um, a show I watch. Like, I listen to some shows that follow 
uh, TV recaps mm-hmm. or what have you, like The Crown. I listened to their <laughs> recap one, um, or I listened to one that's called That's Messed Up, which is comedy based but about true crime, and then the SVU episodes of Law and Order <laughs> that oh are God. kind of um, involved. God, everybody's tastes were it, we're all so personal, it's like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I mean, personal to me, and of course, Spotify would know all of our algorithms and our profiles. They know me well. Precisely. Um, Thank you, podcasts. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Um, Any other comments about uh, We Can Do Hard Things podcast? Um, No, I I don't think so. I think they're they're doing a good job, and whenever I dip into it, I think, Mm -hmm. "Mm, now I have a little nugget to chew on. I also, I love the song that they play at the end, which is Tish and Brandy Carlisle. It makes me choke up every time. So sweet. Brandy, is she a wolf, would you say? Uh, Highway wolf? She did just write a book. Oh, really? Highway wolf. I don't know enough about her. I'll get back to you on that one. Um, Another uh, wolf thing I read recently was Abby Wambach's first memoir forward uh which was pretty good um it is different from the other wilfs work in that it is she wrote it uh, the other wilfs often they seem to write because they must write they are writers first and this is how they process and abby is a soccer player first um well i suppose she's a person first um <laughs> and this was clearly a it was written after she retired and i think she was kind of figuring out what she wanted to do next she was recently sober a couple months um, was on the rocks with her wife, and I think this was a way for her to kind of move to the next stage of her life and career. But it was good. I learned about her soccer world and her addiction and her um, challenges being a lesbian and growing up in a um, Catholic family. And I, I, I read it. You know, it's, it ends before she meets Glennon because she was on. She was promoting this book when she met Glennon. Um, and it, you know, it was it was a good it was a nice origin story. Yeah, I, I I did not read it, but when you read it, I think you started off. I think it sounded like you started off being like, "Oh, this why is this different?" Mm-hmm. And then realizing like, "Oh, she's an athlete first, then a writer." Yeah. Right. Um, and so it's just a different take as opposed to someone whose main occupation is observation. Right. Different from Glennon, though, is that a lot of the things Abby writes about are you can find on YouTube. Certain goals that she scored, certain speeches she's made. Um, uh, she was more famous before she became a writer than these other people were. Um, so, you know, she can write about this amazing goal that she scored in the Olympics and then you can watch it. Um, that is fun. Which is pretty cool, yeah. Um, she's a great soccer player, and as Carmen Esposito said, she's got the thighs of a champion. Uh, and by Carmen, you mean Cameron. Cameron. Carmen, <laughs> Carmen Miranda. Uh, well, I guess we've reached the time for... Oh, nope. Wait for it. Ooh, guest whistle. My it's dream time. come true. <laughs> it's time for our wolf whistle, where we... Ask a question of the wolves of the world. Could be a to a specific wolf or a general wolf. Um, Amy, what, what do you what do you want to know? Yeah, I think I could speculate this about each wolf individually and probably get it right. <laughs> but my question is: Are you a travel doer or a travel rester? Oh, um, because wow. I'm noticing y'all are road tripping down the East Coast right now, and you're doing <laughs> a whole lot. And I have recently gone on several trips where I was going to new cities. And so 
doing a whole lot, but I am typically a travel. Mm-hmm. Re- I tr- go on vacation to uh, to be at, at my leisure. Mm. Wow. Um, and so I I have found myself exhausted by all the travel doing I have done. Hmm. This is helping me understand how to balance how to make a well balanced road trip. I'm just mm-hmm. thinking a trip in general, like have a balance between doing and resting. For me, that's what. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I wish they could tell us. Uh, my will f- whistle is uh, t- for Glennon and Abby and Chase. I mean, and Craig. Um, now that you are have moved to LA, where do you think you're going to be a regular? Mm. You know, coffee shop, a gym, a marina. Do you know where in LA they are? Uh, don't know. Near the water. Is that good? <laughs> That's not. Helpful. Well, I th- I know they're in some part of West LA, but I don't know if it's North, Middle, or South. Oh yeah, West. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. You know, classic Middle West LA. Middle West LA. Middle those, West. Those uh, non-confrontational, very nice non-middle Westerners. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I uh, as I'm showing Asa my hometown now, I'm thinking about regular places where I'm a regular, where I go regularly, and, <laughs> and I'm like, how, you know, how do we how do we get there? Uh, how do you all get there? Is uh, I have a sense that Glennon is quite a homebody, so she's probably like, I'm never going to go to any of these places. <laughs> but, um, you know, I hope they, they find good places and, and uh, enjoy themselves. I know places. And Asa, what is your Wilf whistle? Wow. To have a Wilf whistle. <laughs> no. What a moment. Um, mine is specifically for Samin, my Wilf of choice today, tonight. I want to know what her process is when washing the dishes. Because I personally live, laugh, love to wash my dishes. I think it's an intimate experience. I think it's beautiful and it's very, um, for me that is rest. I love it. And I don't have a dishwasher, so I have a very specific process. And when I do have a dishwasher, I also have a very specific process, which basically denotes the dishwasher as useless. It's more of a dish rack than anything. Um, but Samin is cooking, you know, many lasagnas <laughs> or an entire restaurant's style of uh, dish. Um, so I'm curious to see what her process is like. That would be fascinating to know. I'm sure I could find out. I bet she's written about it for New York yeah. Times. And it's like surprisingly simple, like a little bit of soap and a lot of lemon. Yeah, it's got to be Dr. Bronner's, right? Probably, yeah. <laughs> Well, and we hope that they'll hear our whistles and respond. Yeah, <laughs> send us a send us a whistle back, uh, Asa. Oh yeah. How do you think you did? I think I did well. Yay! I was nervous. I was very nervous. Oh. Well, you're about to find out because we're gonna grade you. <laughs> so, bye bye. Buckle up. <laughs>